I want to do this morning is uh, I want to go through some scripture. I guess what I've been chewing on is the the relationship that Paul had with his changing circumstances. And, you know, he was in isolation different times. He's sitting in prison, but it didn't seem to affect his approach to the gospel and what he was doing. And that's something that stands out to me. And so I just, I want to go through some scripture out of um, Acts and then just slightly out of Philippians, but we're going to work that together. Uh, Let's see if I can get this up. Right. And, uh, I don't know what happened here. Okay. Well, this is it. I uh, what I want to do is is take a look at how Paul um, had been sent out by the the congregation from Jerusalem. They'd had a council meeting trying to figure out what how should we approach this. Uh, group of Gentile believers that are coming into faith? Do we need to give them certain rules? And um, what happened was that they just, um, they set down a couple things, but they sent out Paul and Silas, who picked up Timothy in that same trip. And uh, they they took off and, and just started. And um, so it's going well. Uh, the church is being encouraged, things are growing, but then they get to a place where it just says they were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message in the province of Asia. And it's just like, um, suddenly they're recognizing that God has something different. They just don't know what. And so it goes on and says they tried to go into Bithynia and they, they can't get there either. And it says the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to do this. So they passed through Mysia onto Troas. So they, you know, this is saying that God was stopping them, but they really had no true idea what was supposed to happen next. Well, during the night, Paul gets a vision and he sees a Macedonian man saying, come on over and help us. And so they decide, well, that's the best conclusion we'd make. We we need to go do that. And so they leave. and. Um, they they actually have a fair amount of success when they get into this situation. They um, uh, a woman named Lydia accepts the Lord. She's baptized, and then she invites them or gives them lodging, so that they're that's taken care of, and they can continue their witness with other people. And it's going well until um, they end up having contact with a, a slave girl who had a demonic spirit. And yet she's following them and and crying out, uh, these men are servants of the Most High God and are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. So it's a a good news, bad news thing. I mean, she's speaking truth, but it's not the kind of publicity they wanted or needed. Um, And there's, you know, this goes on for many days, it says, and Paul eventually becomes greatly annoyed. And he says to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it does. So that happens. But then the uh, her owners are upset because they're going to lose money off of this. They've been making money off of her fortune telling. And now um, they're upset. And so they go to the magistrate. And uh, it says the whole crowd joins in the attack against them. They tore off the clothes of Paul and Silas. 
ordered them beaten with rods and they had beaten them severely. They threw them in prison. And uh, there is kind of a, a connect with this where uh, I was looking at the Roman way of doing things and the magistrates used to have men surrounding them called lictors. And uh, these guys carried uh, a fascia, which um, was a, a bundle of rods wrapped with a leather thong. Inside of it was an axe. And it kind of represented the judicial power and right of legislation. And so when, uh, when a judgment was handed out, if a person was put to death, they'd use the axe. And if he was to be beaten, they'd take these bundle of rods and beat him with them. And so this was kind of a, a common uh, symbol throughout the Roman Empire, but it's a symbol that's even gone on today. Some of our government uh, things actually have um, uh, this symbol of the fascia uh, in it. In fact, the Lincoln Memorial has it. The House of Representatives has it. One of our dimes from times past had a, a symbol of it on the back. And uh, it's been in numerous government forms as a, a symbol of authority and power. So uh, this beating with rods was something that was um, common for that day. So they, they beat Paul and Silas severely, tossed them in prison. And, you know, there were, there were rules that went on that, what happened if a man died during beating? What happened? You know, it it was those things happened. You know, mistakes happened, but uh, it would have been very severe and brutal. And but uh, you know, he, the jailer recognizes this is a, a complicated situation, so he throws them in the inner cell and actually fastens their feet in stocks. So not only have they had to endure this beating, but they're having to sit in stocks through the night and uh and yet what happens is is that they don't really respond all that much to it they're singing and praising god and and in fact if you go and look when paul addresses some of the suffering that he had gone through there's there's no real detail about the pain of it all in fact there's no mention of the beatings uh, the whippings that he endured, even though it says five times he had received that from the Jews. So none of those is giving out, given out in any kind of detail in the scripture. And then it says three times he's beaten with rods. So this was only one of the occurrences. And then in the 14th chapter of Acts, he had been stoned and left for dead. They dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead, left him, and then eventually he gets back up and goes back in. So. This was a part of his normal life. This was a part of what he accepted as being uh, taking up the cross of Christ. And he doesn't pay it all that much attention. He has other things in mind. And so, you know, it's amazing to me now, you know, uh, Mike put up the sign today that you know, Pastor John's a wild man until nine o'clock. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and it's too late. You know, and, uh, we were laughing at that. But here, these guys were up at midnight. I'm assuming they couldn't really sleep. But they're singing and, pr and praising the Lord, you know. And, you know, the rest of the prisoners are listening to them. And it, at that point, an earthquake comes. 
and un un unleashes all of them. And uh, the the jailer, thinking that he's going to be put to death for allowing an escape, goes to kill himself. And Paul shouts out and just says, don't harm yourself. We're here. And he, he comes in and he knows something different is taking place. And he knows that that uh, this isn't normal. And he, he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he acknowledges there is something different about this situation. And he wants it. And he just he's told, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. He gets baptized that night. And the next morning, um, the magistrates tell the officers, go ahead and release those men. And uh, Paul responds back, absolutely not. We're Roman citizens. If they want us out of here, they can come escort us out. So he is not leaving quietly. He's challenging what's taken place. And when you think about it, this was important for the Philippian church, that they wouldn't be pushed down or uh, set aside in that moment. But um, this, in a sense, opened up the doors for them in the community. And so after they come make apology uh, and ask them repeatedly to leave town, um, Paul goes to Lydia's house, encourages the brothers, it says, and then he leaves. So, um, you know, in that change of plans, in that change of situation, in his isolation, he is still getting things done in the Lord. Now, in the book of Philippians, it's a different jail situation, but he's in the same place where he's he's been thrown in jail. And he says, my situation has actually turned out to advance the gospel. And here's what I, I, I want to get to. We're in a situation that we didn't anticipate. We're in a form of isolation that makes it harder to get to people and to have conversation. And yet this is not outside God's capability of using for his glory. And what we need to be considering is, Lord, how would you use this time in this situation to perhaps bring my family to know you or to allow my neighbors to come to know you? Um, you know, in this group, I haven't sensed much fear. And part of that's because it's mainly a younger group. But also, um, there's an awareness that our times are in the Lord's hands. But there has been a deep frustration because we can't do life as normal. And yet, when we put this in the Lord's hands and say, how do you want things done? And what should I be doing to further your kingdom in this moment? I think he will start bringing ideas to us. One of my friends uh, in Nagani, uh, Paul Holcroft uh, has, he bought ducks this spring. And if you know anything about ducks, they, they get imprinted with people thinking that's their mother or father. And so the ducks will follow him around. So he's been taking his ducks out for walks on the street. And he said, I've met more neighbors in that time than I had any other time. Because people see the ducks and they're fascinated. Well, God might have something that you have or do that he would want to use in this season as well. Um, Paul makes the comment while he's in this 
Roman prison. He says, the whole imperial guard and everyone else knows that I'm in prison for Christ's sake. And most of the brothers and sisters having confidence in the Lord because of my imprisonment, now more than ever, dare to speak the word fearlessly. And so in some ways, our lives are always making a declaration about our belief. And so the challenge is, what am I showing in this moment? He goes on and he says, uh, my hope is that I'll always share things in complete boldness, that Christ will be exalted in my body whether I live or die. So he's, he says, it's not such a big deal whether I live or die, but it, that Christ is honored through me. He says, he goes on to encourage them in a similar way. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you, whether I remain absent, I should hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, contending side by side for the faith of the gospel. So in just review, even the greatest of heroes faced times of change and uncertainty. And yet they responded in those moments. Uh, he looked for kingdom advancement wherever he went. And our response to changing situations can be a powerful witness. Um, you know, we, we gave out some food a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I, I think that that's going to continue to be an opportunity for us. Uh, it looks like um, that's gonna, that door is still open. Uh, one of the things that I want to encourage you with, however, is that you may see people in need right in your neighborhood, or you may have friends that are in need. Um, it doesn't have to come through the church for you to take action. In fact, in some ways, it's better just to, to put a face to that thing and, and take care of it yourself. So I want to encourage you, look around you. Um, if you see someone in need and you have opportunity to help, do so. Don't wait for a church response or a group response. But uh, our first, first, uh, first response, so to speak, should be take care of what you can. And then secondarily, we will also do things as a community that reach out to those that uh, maybe only a few know or one knows, but um, we'll, we'll spread ourselves out as we can that way. So I, I want to encourage you, look around you, see what can be done. In regard to this City Fest, start praying now. Pray earnestly for the event. Pray for the neighbors that you would invite. Uh, let's, let's make this a time where we're spreading the gospel and not uh, bemoaning our situation. I mean, for me to look at the example of Paul sitting in prison and it not slowing him down, I'm going, this shouldn't slow us down either. It just changes the way we do things. So. I want to encourage you with that.